Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. First and goal. Five yards out. Makes it. Looking everywhere. Surveying, surveying, and throws it for the touchdown. It's Pringle with the catch. And a second touchdown of this opening quarter for Kansas City. Triple header today. It's the Parker Playoff Show. Thank you for being with me on a Sunday morning. We will talk to Robert Mays in just a little bit. Terrific NFL writer and analyst at The Athletic and a big Bears fan. Couple of games yesterday. Did okay. But yesterday is for the past. We have a triple header. Bucks down to a seven and a half point favorite against Philly. Cowboys and Niners, it's been locked at a three point line all week. Cowboys, the home favorite by just a field goal. Chiefs, it flirted with 13 for a bit, but for the vast majority of the week, it's been right where it is now at 12 and a half. We will talk to Nick Costos in a matter of minutes. He's kind enough to fit us in. He has two of his own shows this morning. Just finishing up on WFAN and then hosting You Better You Bets countdown to kickoff with his guy Ken Barkley, Lockie Lockerson, coming up in an hour. So there's a lot that he is doing today. He's going to join us hopefully momentarily as long as he remembers. But I look at these games and I say, oh, we have him already? Excellent. Then we don't have to worry about what I say because my voice is terrible. My man, Nick Costos. Really, I want the winners. I want the prop king. But Costos, I just missed you, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Bro, I've been on the line for like four minutes. I'm like, he's going to get to him in a couple of minutes. I'm like, Matt, I'm, r- I'm right here. Uh, great to be on with you, man. Miss you, brother. Uh, yesterday was uh, was not great. I know you said we'll turn the page to, uh, to today, but we could spend a second talking about yesterday and commiserating a little bit. Um, I was on the Raiders. Yeah, that was, I, I think, like kind of like the expression that I've been rolling with this season. That's the type of beat 
that was like genetically engineered in a laboratory designed to inflict maximum excruciating pain on people that bet on the game. And almost like Bengals betters, I'm sure, like that was pretty excruciating for them. They just happened to win at the end. But I mean, in between the Jerome Boger idiot fest, the, the moron flags, literally changing like the rules in the rule book as the game is going on. In between Peyton Barber stepping out at the two-yard line, idiot on that kickoff return when they could have started on the 40. How about the, the final goal to go sequence with the season on the line? starting with a spike on first and goal with 30 seconds left. Like, ridiculous by the Raiders. And then Derek Carr throwing the ball short of the end zone only on the most important play of the season. When if you don't score a touchdown, the season's over. So, yeah, that one was really great. And it is my sincere hope, Danny, that uh, Patriots plus four and a half will be the worst bet I make the entire postseason. Because I feel like it would be hard to get worse than that. I did have the over in the game, so that was good. Uh, had a bunch of props that went really well yesterday. But, man, like in between the Patriots and that Raiders loss, this is a pretty aggravating Super Wild Card Saturday. So hopefully we can do a little better today on Super Wild Card Sunday. Yeah, I hope we can as well, and we'll get to it in a second. I also thought, and, you know, they, they ended up having a chance to win, so you know, results over process for some, I suppose. But when they got down to, like, the inside the 15-yard line on the second-to-last possession and they kicked the chip shot field goal, like, I thought the Raiders were just way too conservative. Obviously, throwing short of the goal line at the end and on multiple of those plays was just idiotic by, by Derek Carr. But you need a touchdown. You weren't able to stop the Bengals the entire game. Like, punting on fourth and three, kicking the short field goal late. Like, the Raiders absolutely deserve to go home with a loss and without a cover if they're going to be that as conservative as they were yesterday. Yeah, there's no question. I think I tweeted it right on the third and three play. When Hunter Rounder Renfro, by the way, was not even on the field for that play, that third and three that you referenced here. Insane. I tweeted, like, this is the play that decides whether we cover or not, if you bet the Raiders. Really, it decides who covers the game, period. Now, the Raiders actually did end up with a chance that I didn't think they would have because Zach Taylor went super conservative on the Bengals final drive but I mean uh, it's like they never got a better opportunity to score a touchdown than on that fourth and th- than on the fourth and three they didn't get that on the final drive of the game they're stuck at the nine yard line the entire time so yeah I mean Bisaccia too conservative first possession of the game fourth and three on the 30 send out the field goal unit bro you're on the road you're an interim head coach go for it man like go what, what do you have to lose go for it dude it just this stuff, I know it drives you nuts. It drives me nuts. And uh, I won a nice amount of money on the national championship game, Georgia and the under, last Monday. Uh, gave it all back with the Raiders yesterday. So, yeah, that was, <laughs> was not – and by the, speaking of Alabama-Georgia, that was like an SEC game yesterday, like a three-hour, like 50-minute football game of excruciating agony. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk about the three games today, my friend. Do you have an underdog today that you like? Uh, do I have an underdog today that I, to win or like uh, with the points? To, like, because I – to be honest with you, I don't really – I don't agree with the very popular consensus that the Niners are going to beat the Cowboys. I agree. I don't, I don't see a scenario where the Steelers score 24 or more, so I'm very inclined to lay it with the Chiefs, and then that leaves me with the Eagles, and now I'm betting on Jalen Hurts against Tom Brady. So I'm worried that I am with the public and the favorites on all three of these games today when we're talking point spread. Well, I mean, to be fair, like the public wins sometimes, and then favorites, yeah. favorites can all cash. So yeah, you know, that that could be okay. Um, let's start with the Eagles Bucks game, and then I do want to touch. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time on the Steelers and Chiefs as well. So the omnipresent storyline with this game, betting wise, and actually like it's probably going to be the story of the game in totality, um, is the weather. So the total opened on Monday at 49. 
Um, and when these two teams played back in October on a Thursday night in Philadelphia, um, the game uh, uh, landed on 50. The Bucks won the game 28-22 and really probably should have been more points in that game. But people remember uh, betting on that game. Tampa 28, Philly 22. The Eagles covered at uh, plus 6.5. The total now sits at 46.5. So it's been bet up a point from yesterday, and it was 45.5 for much of the week because we were expecting extreme wind in Tampa and insane rain as well, at least through the first half of the game, which is why the total ends up dropping right because like we talked about yesterday on you better you bet with the bills patriots game like i love the over in the game because it was just cold like it's a regular football game except it's played in the freezing cold wind is what screws up point totals and screws up offensive game plans right so that's where we were concerned here and why the total kept dropping because we were looking at 25 mile per hour wins so as we stand now because i think the only um science that's more inexact than handicapping would be meteorology (laughs) for we are currently sitting right now and the wind does not look like it's going to be as bad as we thought it was going to be now this stuff can obviously change on a dime we could get to kickoff at one o'clock eastern time 12 p.m central in tampa and the wind could be rolling it could be hurricane type conditions but as of right now i'm looking at the weather and we're looking at anywhere from like 16 to 18 miles per hour when we get to 2025 that's when things are really are really problematic here so if the wind is really going to be like horrendous right so we get to kick off and we're talking 25 miles per hour the the broadcast shows like the goalposts swirling in the wind moving around i actually think it helps the philadelphia eagles right because it's going to limit the the bucks ability to pass the football here no leonard for net for tampa in this game didn't activate him yesterday so i think the eagles become more of a viable spread play in the game and honestly become more live to win the game. But if the weather is going to be what it is right now, what the projection is at this very moment, I think teasing Tampa makes a ton of sense just to avoid the potential headache with the weather. Tampa down through seven and three bucks minus one and a half. And I think the total is going to go up, honestly, throughout the course of the day if this is going to be the case and the wind is not going to be terrible. So that's the Eagles and the Buccaneers. As far as the game tonight, Steelers and Chiefs, I know you said you like KC and I I am not going to pound the table here for Pittsburgh. It's just that like, I would never bet the Chiefs at this number. Like, I think you could tease KC. I get it. Down to six. Now, look, the Chiefs killed the Steelers a couple weeks ago. So, like, that could obviously happen again. That's the caveat with all of this that we talk about, right? Like, locks exist on front doors and bank vaults. There is no such thing in the betting community, right? So, I'm not trying to tell you that the Chiefs can't or won't blow them out in this game. Win by a huge margin. Just that, like, the number's crazy. Now, 12 and a half, Danny. I'm not interested in Pittsburgh. I got to get at least 13, and then I think I actually become interested in the Steelers. And you mentioned, and I think you're right, you know, it's hard to imagine the Steelers' offense getting to 24 points in this game. But I do think a path exists for them to get to that to get to that kind of point range here and fall inside this number. And it's if the Chiefs kind of fall back to what they were in the first half of the season. Like the story of the first half of the season was turnovers, uncharacteristic interceptions from Patrick Mahomes, coming out flat, playing with their food like they did last week, right, against the Denver. Probably almost lost to Denver last week. We've seen the Chiefs do it a lot this year. Tomlin's a great coach. You got a motivated Ben potentially in his last game in a first ballot Hall of Fame career. So I'm not saying the Steelers are going to win. I have a teaser with the Chiefs down to six and a half. So I like Kansas City to win by a touchdown. Just that like at this number of 12 and a half, it would be Steelers or nothing for me. All right, Mr. Prop King. Give me a prop across the board. Your favorite prop in each game. 
All right, so Tampa and Philly. Let's go Gronk over 58.5 receiving yards. Double-digit targets, Danny, in three of his last four games. The Eagles are a really smart, forward-thinking, analytically-driven front office. They don't care about off-ball linebackers and safeties, and I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. I think they are a very well-run organization, but they, they don't prioritize that position, which means the tight ends have a lot of success against them here. So I think this is a big game for Gronk. That would be my favorite play in that game. I do have a couple anytime touchdowns that we can talk about as well. You know, I like to play against running back uncertainty and with Leonard Fournette out for Tampa Bay, it's going to be Keyshawn Vaughn, Le'Veon Bell, and Gio Bernard was activated off IR. Now, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn is the guy for Tampa in this game, Danny. Uh, My sense would be Brady's going to roll with someone that he trusts in a playoff game. That's been Brady's MO his whole career. That's Gio Bernard, way more than the second-year running back Keyshawn Vaughn. So I would play Gio plus 250 anytime touchdown. Dallas and San Francisco, I'm with you. I like Dallas in the game. I think it's a big game for Dak Prescott. But as far as their props go, like the Dallas receiver props, I think that they're all lined pretty pretty well, and they spread the ball around. I feel like I would be guessing with a member of Dallas's uh, receiving core, and with Tony Pollard back, it's tough to trust Zeke or Pollard. We don't know how the distribution's going to look. For San Francisco, the one that I would play is Kittle. It's a depressed number here. I know he's been bad statistically over the course of the last month, but if Kittle's going to be 50 and a half receiving yards, like I have to take that. So I'll play over on Kittle. I do have two anytime touchdown props in this game. Jawan Jennings scored twice last year for the Niners. Big red zone target for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jen- Jennings plus 310, anytime touchdown. And Blake Jarwin is back for the Cowboys. They're number two tight end behind Dalton Schultz. He's plus 750 to score a touchdown for a reason because it's unlikely. I think beer or pizza money, though, on Blake Jarwin plus 750 makes some sense. For the Chiefs and the Steelers, with Juju Smith-Schuster going to be active in the game, surprisingly now, and with Najee Harris nursing that elbow injury, it's really hard to trust any of these Steelers' skill position players. I think, like, Deontay could have a good game. Claypool could have a good game. Najee could go off. Just hard to trust. For Kansas City, though, I think we can trust Darrell Williams because I think he's going to be the primary ball carrier, right? 55 and a half rushing yards, and I actually like, once you pop, you can't stop. Byron Pringle, over 29 and a half receiving yards. Two anytime touchdowns for the Chiefs and the Steelers. If Najee Harris's elbow acts up, And we did see that happen last week in the win against the Ravens. I know he's off the injury report, but crazier things have happened. Benny Snell is 14-1. to Anytime touchdown plus 1,400. And for the Chiefs, we want to play against running back uncertainty. They've got Derek Gore. They've got Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon's got the longest odds. He scored last week. Jarek McKinnon plus 525. Anytime touchdown. How great is this, man? How great yeah. is this? Yeah, well, it's more fun when you win. You know, like yesterday was. I great, know, but, yeah. but just, I mean, I, it is more fun when you win. But just three games all day, man. Two on a Saturday. We have a Monday night playoff game this week. Who do you like in it's that just, game? I think it's the toughest game of the week. I think it's the. I think it's. I think it's the toughest game of the week. My lean was the Cardinals uh, when it hit four, but. I also, honestly, it was more of an overplay for me in that spot. What about you? I think I like the under. I haven't bet it, so like I'm not like saying, like, you put your money where your mouth is. I haven't at least yet. Um, I bet the Cardinals four and a half. The number's three and a half now, actually, so we finally yeah. got some movement. This was four for most of the week. Uh, I think the true number in the game should be three. It's a fascinating point spread when we look back when these two teams played like five or six weeks ago in Arizona yep. on Monday night. The Cardinals closed three in that game. Rams won 30 to 23. 
which if people remember was the game where Brian Greasy was like begging on the air Arizona to kick a field goal at the end of the game. Uh, maybe the true number in that game should have been two with Jalen Ramsey placed on the COVID list right before kickoff and you know, the Cardinals taking a lot of late money as a result. But even if that's the case, this is a pretty dramatic swing, like downgrade for Arizona. And I get it. Lose on the road in Detroit. You know, lose that terrible game on Christmas night to Indianapolis. Lose last week against Seattle, where if they win, they win the NFC West. For me, it's just, it's gone too far. And maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm with you here. Year. I like the Cardinals. Four would be the number I would want to get. I would not bet the Rams at any of the... I would need two and a half to consider the Rams never going to get it coming up tomorrow night. We'll be listening, man. Countdown to kickoff. The BetQL app, the Odyssey... Or the BetQL audio network on the Odyssey app. You are the goods. I appreciate you. I know you had two shows today, so uh, thanks for squeezing us in, man. All good, man. Catch you with one other thing here real quick? Please. Yeah, please. Um, if Kansas City wins tonight, which is the expectation... We're going to get an awesome divisional round next week and the next week in the AFC playoffs, right? With Cincy at Tennessee and then like the AFC championship game is basically would be Buffalo at Kansas City. Um, yep. I think that spread will probably, if it opens three, Casey and Buffalo, I'm going to bet Buffalo. Um, I don't know what that's going to open at though. Maybe two and a half, maybe three. It's going to be one of those two, I'm sure. If Tennessee opens less than three against Cincinnati, I'm going to end up betting the Titans early on in the week. Like, I think it's like we did our projections earlier, like this week, for what, like, we may see next weekend. I think that number should be three or three and a half. And I know, like, we're talking on the knife edge here, but three is the most key number. So when we dance around it, that number is critical. Tennessee minus two and a half, Danny, if that number pops tonight, if indeed it's Tennessee, Cincinnati, is a bet that I am likely going to make tonight or tomorrow morning. He's Nick Costos. Follow him with the bets and the shows. You're a good man, man. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. I am a good man. You're right. I appreciate that. I'm Danny wishing you and all the great listeners of The Score minimal sweats winning bets. The absolute very best of luck. Thank you. That's Nick Costos. You better you bet during the week with Lockie Lockerson on Sundays. You better you bets. Countdown to kickoff. Robert Mays, national NFL writer for The Athletic and a Bears fan. Is he dreaming of Brian Dable getting Justin Fields to the Josh Allen level? It's next on The Score. Off the plate fake. Brady Pine. Into the end zone of the Buccaneers take the lead. Wow. I'm telling you right now, Tom Brady called the play action pass throw to the running back on the ball in two minutes. You're right, Tom. He is the two minute master. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks to Nick Costos for joining us. I'm Danny Parkins. It's Parkins Playoff Show. We're doing these every Sunday. If there's a playoff game on a Sunday, I will be on the air. Thrilled to be joined on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa, Resino, uh, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook, by our next guest. He's the host of the Athletic Football Show, covers the NFL for the Athletic, and he's a Bears fan, Robert Mays, with us on the score. Robert, thanks for the time this morning. How are you doing today? Oh, no worries. I pretty much might as well not have gone to sleep. That's kind of how we're feeling at this time of year, but you got to push it, you know. We're there. Yeah. We're almost there. A ab absolutely. We, we, we get to kick off of the next game, and then we can just plug back into the couch uh, for the next 11 hours or so. Did you, for whatever sleep you got last night, were you dreaming of Brian Dable turning Justin Fields into that version of Josh Allen? Oh, it's hard not to, man. I mean, it's hard not to. And, you know, you can say that with any kind of talented offensive coordinator when you're trying to envision what he would do with your quarterback but it's just not that far of a jump with josh fields or josh fields with justin fields and josh allen right there's that lack of you sleep. look at yeah exactly you look at it i mean 
the way they use him and what that offense is, it's built around him. It's built through him. It is built to tap into all of the things that Josh Allen does, which is a unique skill set. And I think that's why when you think about what would you want to build around Justin Fields, it would be a version of that. Now, Brian Dable doesn't come from an offensive background. You know, he worked for the Patriots for years, obviously, and there are elements of that offense that are still a part of what the Bills do. But the Bills have built this spread RPO quarterback run game. All of these things are details and designs that are born of what Josh Allen does and what their personnel do. What more would you want in an offensive coach? I mean, that's exactly the type of guy that you would want. Somebody who can take this varied background and really wide range of things that he understands and can graft that onto your quarterback or whatever personnel you have. And listen, head coaches are about more than dialing up cool plays. You know, that's not what the job is necessarily. But I've talked to a lot of people about Brian Dable's evolution as a coach, his maturation as a coach, how he's really settled in to that role. I mean, if you talk about who he was early in his career, it was a my way or the highway sort of thing. This is our offense. This is what we're going to run. And he was cut from the Patriots cloth in a way that I think was detrimental to him at times. I think that he struggled to find his voice as a coach. He struggled to understand how he wanted to present himself to players, how he wanted to interface with players. And that's totally changed. You know, I think he's done a much better job of being comfortable in his own skin and allows himself to solicit ideas from players, ask them what they want to do, try to make sure that they're comfortable, all of those things. So I think he's come a long way in that regard, and I think that what the offense looks like in practice is kind of hard to argue with. Is he your top choice for the Bears? You know, I never know with this stuff. I've kind of tried to come into it with a little bit more humility just because I don't know all these guys. You know, I've talked to a good portion of them. You know, I've had – conversations with Nate Hackett in the past and, um, you know, whoever else you're going to throw on that candidate list, Doug Peterson, but I don't know everybody. And I think that it's really important to kind of come into this process with an open mind, both the GM and the head coaching searches, because we've really learned, you know, over the last five, 10 years, as we've seen who's succeeded in these jobs and who's failed, that success comes in a lot of different forms. It comes with a lot of different guys with a lot of different backgrounds. I've said this. If I were building my perfect candidate for the Bears head coaching job, one, it would be the best culture setter. And I know that that's a really nebulous term that gets thrown around a lot, but it's really important. It's the number one aspect of maintaining a winning franchise year after year after year. You look at what Mike Tomlin has done, what John Harbaugh has done. They're not offensive coaches, but there is a way they do things there. Mike Vrabel is another good example. But second, if I would, checking that box, I'd want the best offensive coach. I would, because I just think that that's how you consistently win. You know, the model that a team like the Saints, the Chiefs, you know, I think to a certain extent, the Niners, the Rams, like those teams and what they have there with that centerpiece offensive-minded coach, good offense is the way you win year in and year out in the NFL. So that's what I would want. And if we're checking those boxes, I feel like Brian Dable might. So – He's up near at the top. He's up there at the top for me, but I also think that there are a lot of aspects of this that I don't know, that we don't know, that we should keep an open mind about. Robert Mays is our guest, covers the NFL for The Athletic. Let's get into the games today. 
The Eagles, the Niners, the Steelers are the underdogs. Obviously, the Niners, based on the number, would have the best chance of winning, and they are a very popular pick. Do you? Which of the underdogs do you think has a real shot at pulling off the upset today? So it's definitely San Francisco. I mean, obviously, I mean, the spread would dictate that, and I just think the matchup is okay for them. You know, the way that their offense works in comparison to the way that the Cowboys' defense works, I think it's a pretty good matchup against what was the best defense in football, you know, according to Football Outsiders over the course of the year. You know, just all of the moving pieces and eye candy and misdirection that comprises the Niners' run game. The, the Cowboys are a splash defense, right? I mean, think about all of the turnovers that they've created, all of the sacks, all of this, the chaos that they try to make with the way that they play. Well, the Niners can take advantage of that. You know, if I'm the Niners, I'm trying to come out here and run the ball 45 times and just have guys' heads spinning the entire game. I'd test their discipline at every single turn. And that's what the Niners already do naturally. So that matchup between what the Niners' offense is and what the Cowboys' defense is, I think could be in favor of San Francisco. If Jimmy doesn't turn the ball over, I absolutely think there's a good chance that the Niners win this game. I don't love like, – if the Cowboys can block up the Niners' D-line, though, I could see Dak Prescott throwing for 400 against that secondary. Now, if the Niners run the ball 45 times, he won't, he won't have the volume – to do it, but I just feel like that is the biggest advantage for the Cowboys. You need to take advantage of them down the field. And my concern is if you look at what the Cowboys have been at times this year, it's that they kind of compress when they're starting to feel a little bit edgy. You know, there are elements of their offense where they're going to try to take what's underneath and they're going to struggle to really attack teams down the field. And if you're worried about being able to block and you're worried about what that pass rush is going to look like, do you start living underneath and letting the speed of that Niners defense take over? You watch them right now with Greenlaw back and with the safeties healthy, they just swallow space. So if you're not going to be able to hurt them over the top with, let's say, Amari Cooper against Ambry Thomas on the outside, then you're going to play right into their hands. So I think it's about stylistically, how do the Cowboys want to attack that secondary and do they let the fear of the pass rush and the threat of the pass rush dictate how aggressive they're going to be down the field in the first game if there are howling winds and we now know that Miles Sanders is activated and healthy and Jalen Hurts is obviously dynamic everything I've read says the the spot that you can get Tampa we know you can't run up the middle on them get to the edge do you think Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders attacking the outside gaps that that is the way for Philly to try to hang in that game 100%. I think for a few different reasons. One, you avoid Vita Bay at all costs, right? Yep. I mean, it, it's a man the size of a small island in the middle of a defense. But you look at the other aspects of this, JPP and Shaq Barrett probably aren't going to be 100%. They've been dinged up for a huge portion of the second half of the season. Levante Davis is just coming back from a foot injury. He's probably going to play, but is he going to be 100%? And you look at their linebacking core outside of him, Devin White is a really interesting player. He's a unique player. He's a dynamic player, but you can take advantage of him. You know, he is not the most disciplined guy. So can you get to the edge? And you know what? The Eagles can. They have such a unique run scheme in the sense that they have the most mobile center in football. You know, their guys move extremely well. And one of my favorite parts about watching that Eagles team is, you know, Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, which retaining him is one of the best moves a team made this offseason. He's one of the best in the business. 
I remember talking to him before the Super Bowl when the Eagles played the Patriots just about how they problem solve as a unit. And you can really do anything. You know, if there are five guys and they have five guys, how do we want to block it? We'll block it however we need to. And that involves a lot of pulling every single guy on that line. So they're uniquely set up to attack the edges against a really good run defense in a way that a lot of teams wouldn't be. I think that's the most interesting part of this matchup is how do the Eagles weaponize those guys up front and allow that to be what carries them throughout the day? Robert Mays from The Athletic is our guest. Assuming the Chiefs beat the Steelers, we get the rematch of that crazy game against Buffalo. Will you be looking at Chiefs-Bills as the de facto AFC championship game? I think that with the way Joe Burrow is playing right now, you can't count them out of any single game. That's what I will say. So I feel very good about just their ceiling. And listen, the Titans are healthy now. Yeah. It's such a weird season from them. But the way their defense has played all season, I've been so impressed with how they've kind of pieced that unit together. I mean, they have guys at every level playing extremely well. So I think that they're going to be a tougher out than other people might. You know, and their offensive line is now back healthy. They're not a good run blocking unit, but if they can, or excuse me, not a good pass blocking unit, but if the game script is in their favor, I think that, you know, we've seen what their offense could look like. Now A.J. Brown is back. You know, the running game looks pretty good right now, even without Derrick Henry, and he's supposed to be back. So I, I wouldn't necessarily write off this Tennessee team quite yet. I think they can beat anybody on any given day. Here's what I'll say. I have a wedding next Saturday. Okay. If that Chiefs-Bills game is on a Sunday, I'm on a plane Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. I'm going to that game. I mean, that, that is appointment viewing for me. So I'm very excited about it, even if I think the other two teams on the other side of the bracket would have a shot in the AFC Championship game. That's a pretty selfish wedding. Like you got to really like the person getting married. It's uh, COVID reschedules, man. You, you can't hold that okay. against anybody. So it's that uh, this is round two or three with this wedding. So I've chosen to overlook it as a, a caring friend. That's very that is that is very generous of you. You mentioned the Titans' defense. Is there a more surprising unit from like what we thought they were going to be preseason? to how much they've exceeded expectations than what the Titans' defense has turned itself into. No, I think Dallas's defense is right in that conversation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what we fair. thought, could the Cowboys' defense be average at best? And then they were the best defense in football by DVOA. But the Titans are absolutely in there. Because, listen, with the Cowboys, there was no way to know what Michael Parsons was going to be. You draft him in the top ten, you hope he's a star, and, and then he's Lawrence a first-team all-pro. I mean, it's, yeah, he's the best defensive rookie we've seen, you know, since Aaron Donald and maybe longer than that and is an absolute monster that can wreck a game anytime he's on the field. So that kind of stuff, maybe that was within the realm of outcomes. With the Titans, these are all really known commodities, you know? The guys they went out and got, it's not like they have a superstar first-round rookie. Their superstar first-round rookie, Kale Farley, he hasn't really played. <laughs> he's not a part of this. So it really is a really nice synchronicity and synergy between all of the pieces that they already had. And I think steps up from younger guys. You know, they, Elijah Molden, their, their slot corner, is a rookie. He's been very good for them. Christian Fulton, who was a slot corner for them at times over, the, I think, last year was his rookie year. And then 
This year he's moved outside. He's been really good for them. Jeffrey Simmons has taken a step forward. Danico Autry has been a really nice signing for them in a way that I don't think people anticipated. All of those things kind of coming together, and then you have a guy like Bud Dupre, excuse me, a guy like uh, Kevin Byer playing at a really like an all-pro level. I mean, I think he was arguably the best safety in the league this year. So that's kind of how it happens, right? You look at a defense like that, no holes. You know, their linebackers are athletic. They've got a really nice front four that knows exactly how to play together, and the pieces all fit. Like they have a pocket pusher in Autry and a bendy guy in Landry. And then this is what you get. You get a defense that's really solid all around, that doesn't do a lot of crazy stuff, but makes it hard for you down in and down out. And that's how you get a team that, even if they're not a top three defense, one that's scary and makes all the types of splash plays that Dallas makes, they're going to make you earn it for an entire game. And I think that matters. Last thing with Robert Mays from The Athletic. I know it's not today. It's tomorrow. It's the, af- it's the afterthought Monday night wildcard game. I think it's the toughest game to call. The Cardinals, since DeAndre Hopkins has been out, feel like they're lacking an element. Stafford sometimes can't hit the layups. It's obviously the third matchup. Divisional opponents who know each other very well. Do you have a strong feel on tomorrow night's game? I think the Rams are better than this current version of the Cardinals team. I just think that they are. I think the Rams' ceiling is still extremely high. You know, my only concern – oh, not only concern. I think that Stafford is a flashing light. But one of my biggest concerns about the Rams is when you think back to what happened against the Niners last week, we saw how their lack of defensive personnel in the secondary can come get them. You know, Juwan Jennings had some big plays that really dictated that game. I don't know if the Cardinals – offensive personnel or their coaching staff is set up to really take advantage of those weak links in the Rams secondary. And I just think that the Rams offensive ceiling and their firepower overall is still more potent than anything that the Cardinals have. You know, Kyler Murray has been, I think he's kind of forgotten how good he was this year. I mean, if you're thinking of guys that made the most, I can't believe that just happened throws in the NFL, like it's him and Justin Herbert. And he still has that potential to have one of those games but I just think overall, the, card, the Rams' offense is the best unit of all of the ones playing on Monday night. That's what I would bet on. Robert Mays from The Athletic. The Athletic NFL Show covers the league. Love reading and listening to your stuff. Thank you for getting up with me on a Sunday morning, man. Thank you. No worries. Happy to do it. That's Robert Mays from The Athletic. Picks across the board. Fun day today. We will put a bow on this thing. Parkins playoff show on a Sunday morning on the score. Third and five. Dak to throw under pressure. All alone is Cedric Wilson for the touchdown. Second touchdown for Wilson tonight. Welcome back. Parkins playoff show here on 670 The Score. Appreciate you hanging out with me on a Sunday morning. If you want full in-depth gambling breakdowns, 9 o'clock, the BetQL playoff special. You got a little teaser of it with our guy Nick Costos. 40 minutes ago, him and Lockie Lockerson coming your way in 40 minutes. Man, I just keep thinking about, could Brian Dable do with Justin Fields what he did with Josh Allen? Now, Brian Dable, maybe Josh Allen was going to be that dude. right? Maybe Josh Allen was... Going to be great regardless. Certainly did not feel that way coming out of Wyoming. 
but obviously all the talent is there, just like all the talent is there with Justin Fields. Like it, it is not a hard thing to imagine. But how much fun would it be? It's weird. Like we've been jealous of the Packers, and you get jealous and hatred of the of the Patriots and the Chiefs or whatever, like the teams that have won the Super Bowls. Man, I just wanted Joe Burrow. I just wanted Justin Herbert. I just wanted Josh Allen. I just want a Lamar Jackson. I just want a Kyler Murray. I just want a young quarterback drafted by the Bears who you feel like can win a Super Bowl. That's like, I want to tune in every Sunday, Thursday, or Monday whenever the Bears are playing because I know I'm going to see a show and there's a high ceiling on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, we dream of Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers, the first ballot Hall of Famers. Just the idea of we've got quarterbacks solved for the next decade. Maybe Brian Dable can do it. He's interviewing with the Bears today. Hell of a resume and game tape from last night. And a lot of the things that Josh Allen does, we can envision Justin Fields being able to do if surrounded with the right amount of talent and the right environment, like coach from Brian Dable. Now, as for the games... I think today should be a lot of fun. Obviously, the story for Tampa is what amount of how vulnerable are they going to be to Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders? Because Tom Brady is obviously ridiculous, and without the weapons of Godwin and Brown, he still has Gronk, he still has Evans. He still has Miller. He still has Gio Bernard. Like, I look at it as Brady is going to get his. Can Philly keep up? That total is low. The wind is there. But Brady will figure out a way to dink and dunk his way down the field and get theirs. I, li- I like Tampa in that spot. Dallas, I all the X's and O's people that I trust and read, and that's why I wanted to have Robert Mays on, say that this is a great matchup for the Niners. And I get it to a point. The Niners and Kyle Shanahan will be able to run on Dallas. Kyle Shanahan's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. The Niners defensive line gets home against everybody. I get all of those X's and O's football points. But the Niners secondary is terrible. The game's in Dallas. And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give you a couple of interceptable balls a game. Now, if they actually can run the ball 45 times in this game and he has to throw 15 passes, well, then the Niners will win. But assuming that he's got to throw the ball 25 to 30 times, I think he's turning the ball over once or twice, and then I love Dallas. So I'm on Dallas in this spot. There's way too many people, in my opinion, that are on the Niners. And then in the night game... I know the number's huge, but the Chiefs are finally clicking. They are finally healthy. They are at home. The Steelers should not even be here. And this stat blew me away. If the Chiefs' opponent scores less than 30 points, they are 49-3 and since Pat Mahomes has been their quarterback. And the Steelers aren't getting to 30. 
So could T.J. Watt be enough of a disruptor? I don't even think so. He's amazing, but I I think that with a healthy Tyreek Hill, a healthy Travis Kelsey, and Pat Mahomes and being at home, I think that they win that game going away. So I'm on the favorites today and the underdog tomorrow in the Arizona Cardinals. I love that game tomorrow. I think it's fascinating. I think that I agree with what Robert Mays said, that the Rams' offense is the best unit on the field. But Buda Baker, a stud. Chandler Jones, a stud. Kyler Murray, a stud. James Conner with like 18 touchdowns all-purpose yards, uh, all-purpose this year. Christian Kirk, A.J. Green. Like there's enough there on Arizona for them to hang. And Stafford just doesn't make the layups and the free throws. He's great to Cooper Cup. Jefferson, like he, he can fire the ball down the field. And it's a sexy arm and a big talent but he doesn't hit the checkdowns. he doesn't make the layups and it's the same type of thing as Jimmy Garoppolo just with a much better arm that like he can he can throw you out of a game and I don't think that that's the same thing with Kyler Murray so I'll take the points in that spot but man the NFL has perfected this thing as a television product we don't even care that the refs can be incompetent and throw a huge wrench into one of the two games of the day yesterday. I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. We're back at it because we are all addicted to this beautiful sport that is the NFL. I want to thank Cesar Perez for getting me on the air and hanging out. I want to thank you for putting up with my sick voice today. Going to rest, watch these games, hope to be feeling a little bit better by Tuesday's show. We're off for Parkinson Spiegel because the Bulls are playing John Morant and the Grizzlies. For Dr. King Day. Thank you to Nick Costos, who you're going to hear coming up in just a minute on the BetQL playoff special, and Robert Mays from The Athletic. So, for my guests and Caesar, the producer, my name is Danny Parkins. We will be back next Sunday and every Sunday that there is an NFL playoff game with the Parkins Playoff Show right here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.